What up, dude? All right, Bam is here, waiting on the the other two, and then Bam, I'm gonna let you kind of take the reins. Not just uh, obviously your quote unquote up for the purposes of this series, but I also want you to explain to the audience what we're gonna be doing once even Kool Aid get here. Yeah, absolutely. How was your uh, the wedding in Cleveland? Uh, it was good. I'm I'm excited about the game tonight. Who do you who do you have tonight? Do you think just Boston is gonna end this? You know, man, it's one game, and obviously anything can happen. But like, what is in Miami's favor? <laughs> like, what what is going? What is in Miami's favor? Hey, 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 hey! What there up, go. Kool Aid in the building. The gang is here. We were just talking real quick before Eves gets on about tonight's game, and oh. I just don't I don't know what you could possibly say is in Miami's favor tonight. Nothing. Um, Miami. Yeah, yeah, it is. Whether they win or lose, right? Or if you're being serious, forget the history that's going to happen if they lose, right? The fact that they made it there from the play-in is a win. Like, let's not act like this was a team that was destined to be where they at, because it wasn't. Yeah, I would you know, agree with that. The, we were just kind of saying more about just winning or loss tonight. I don't see. The, the one thing I got to say, the one thing I got to say to give Miami credit any other team in the NBA, if they lost a game like that in game six away and now and now going to the opposing team's home floor, like we would all it's say over. that the series is, is absolutely done. But because of because we know that Miami doesn't fold, I think it really says a lot that we even think they have a chance. Like I'm with Kawhi, I actually think they have a chance because that Boston, because my Boston's been bad at home this year, and that crowd in that in that city doesn't like this team, and so if they get down in the first quarter, I think it's going to be. I, I think I think it's going to get quiet there quickly. Yeah, they, you know, they're not they're not that loud of a building either. That team is, that fan base is very front running, and um, um, you know, but not uh, again. Like if. Uh, I, I highly doubt that that'll be the uh, situation. They'll tell they Missoula can only mess this up. They he he the the whole reason why they lost those first few games was I, I think I don't think he understood how important Robert Williams was to everything. And once he started making the adjustment of playing Robert Williams and then finally going big and playing Robert Williams and Horford together, uh, it turned the series around. If he was hard headed, they'd they'd be uh they'd be eliminated by now. But uh good adjustment on him, I guess. Yeah. And and they're they're just a more talented team. Way and more. Yeah. After everything that's happened, it kinda of looks like Jimmy might be a little spent and we'll see. I'll be rooting for Miami, but I, I, I don't like their chances tonight. Um but we're not here to talk about those teams. We're here about to talk about the Nets. Uh bam, take it away. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're each going to take a turn. We're each going to have an episode where we mock an offseason for the Nets. Um, I think the main thing to focus on here, and I'm going to be the guinea pig here, is to focus more on the overall approach and the ideas, not necessarily get caught up in the minutia of, would that team do this? Or you might have to add this pick or so. I mean, I, I've got four trades here. I mean, the odds of any of them happening are zero. Um, but I think the idea is just to look at the approach and, and where it leaves the team um, in terms of analyzing it from that point of view. So I'm going to lay mine out here. 
you guys are going to be silent for about 10 minutes or so. Uh, maybe less. We'll see. And then when I'm done, I'm going to hop off the line. And you guys are going to critique and debate what I did, whether you like it, you hate it, whatever the case may be. Nah, you don't have to hop off the line. Just You can just be quiet. Yeah. That, <laughs> sure. I I, to, so that's the rule. You're to. right. I can't speak, though. I can't, I can't rebuttal. I'm going to just listen and let you guys kind of go at it. So. Ben, uh, ben, Bam, can I ask you one question? Sure, of course. Are, are all the trades that you did, have they been approved by the trade machine? Yes. So, okay. so what I did was um, I went on Sprotrack because like, I'm going to lay out four goals here. My first one was I wanted the team to stay under the luxury tax threshold. All right, so Spotrack has the Nets currently $15.5 million under. All the trades that I do, I'll let you know and, and the signings where it puts the Nets with that threshold before and after the trade. Uh, so everything was approved by the trade machine. Everything is legal under the, the CBA rules. Love this detail from you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so, all right, let's, let's go. So, like I said, I had four goals, the first one being to stay under the luxury tax threshold. Again, Spotrack has the Nets $15.5 million under that threshold uh, before signing Cam Johnson or making any offseason moves. Whoever's got a lot of background noise, it's... Uh, that's me. That's the kids, man. <laughs> yeah, that's them. not going to go anywhere. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, stop them. CJ, you got to relax a little bit, all right? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the second one is the Nets are currently slated to be uh, well below the cap in the 2025-26 season. Because right now, the only player under contract that year is Bridges. So what I wanted to do is I wanted the Nets to have at least the space for one max player by 2025-26. I wanted to maintain future draft flexibility, and I wanted to move up in this current draft. So the first two moves I'm going to do, I'm going to call housekeeping moves. The first one being I'm going to release Edmund Sumner from his contract. He has a non-guaranteed deal. That saves the Nets $2.2 million, puts them 17.7 under the luxury tax threshold. The second would be re-signing Cam Johnson, four years, $96 million. It's a $23 million a year deal. That would place the Nets $5.3 million over the threshold. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I've been team blow the whole thing up. But I, it's pretty clear that that's not realistic. So I tried to find a happy balance of what I would do versus what the Nets would do realistically. So bringing Cam back, I think, under a contract like that was reasonable given his age and his production value. Again, so after those moves, after signing Cam, the Nets would then be $5.3 million over that luxury tax threshold. And this would be the roster as follows before any moves were made. Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson... Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, Royce O'Neal, Daron Sharp, Patty Mills, and Joe Harris. Our draft capital would be as follows. The 21st and 22nd pick in this draft. We would, uh, in 2025, have Phoenix's first-round pick unprotected. We'd have our own pick that Houston can swap with. 2027, same thing. An unprotected from Phoenix, Houston can swap our pick. But we also own Philly's pick, which is top eight protected. 2028, we'd have our own prick, uh, our own pick with no pro- uh, protections or swaps, nothing. It would just be an outright pick. 2029, same thing. Brooklyn, Dallas, and Phoenix, all unprotected picks. So 
my first move of the offseason, Eve Darbo's is in some gym somewhere. His son's playing hoops. He's not checking his phone, and he sees a text message from the group, and it's a Woj bomb. And he's not going to be happy. He may disconnect from Twitter after this one. So I have Nicholas Claxton and Royce O'Neal being traded to the Houston Rockets for Tariq Eason, the Nets' 2024 first-round pick, and the release of the 2025 swap with the Houston Rockets. This move saves the Nets $15.5 million. We put them 10 and a half, uh, $10.2 under the luxury tax. So why did I do this? Well, the first is Royce is an expiring contract. I don't think there's any chance of a long-term contract here. Claxton, also an expiring. And to me, it was a decision of who am I willing to put money in the future? Was it going to be Cam Johnson or Claxton? And for reasons we've discussed many times on this podcast, I don't believe in giving Nick money long-term. So I didn't want those guys here on long-term contracts, and I didn't thought I could extract some value out of them. For Houston, you know, looks like they're trying to be a win-now team. I believe OKC owns their draft pick next year. They're looking for win-now guys. So Claxton has a rapport with James Harden, gives them that defensive center. He's also on low money this year. They could go over the cap next year with his bird rights. And then Royce gives them options, right? They can move him. They can release him if they want to. He only has two and a half million guaranteed. Um, or they could keep him. He would be a good bench player, good veteran for that team. Uh, Eason, 22 years old, 9.6 rebounds in 21 minutes. I'm not going to lie. I don't know a lot about the guy. Uh, I believe he was the 17th pick in last year's draft. Doesn't seem like a shooter. 34% on limited attempts from three, but 75% from the foul, and I did like that. And the first thing that came to my mind with a guy like this is, this is a guy you can develop into your own DFS. He's got a similar body. When I read his draft scouting reports, one through four switchable defender, guy that hits the glass, toughness, strength. Start developing your own versions of those 3D wing guys. So, again, the Nets send out Claxton and Royce. They get back Eason. They get back their 2024 first. And they get the swap released on the 2025 pick. So a couple days later, Eves calms down. And I think this trade will make him a little happier. The Nets send Dorian Finney-Smith and the 21st pick to the Dallas Mavericks for the 10th overall pick and David Bertans. Now this pick adds $3.1 million to the Nets' books, which would now put them 7.1 under that tax. Okay, hold up. Can you say, sorry, could you say that um, part over for the trade? I missed that part. Sure. It would be DFS and the 21st pick. Okay. Going to Dallas for the 10th pick and David Bertans. Okay. Now, for the Nets, I said earlier one of my goals was to move up in the draft. I think the Nets need a real young player that they can look forward to as both a trade asset and a future of the franchise type player. I think when you're picking 21 and 22, you're hoping you can get a rotation pick player with one of those picks. Uh, we need to move up a little higher. We need some real young assets that the franchise can get excited about. Somebody coming up the rear. And I just don't think you're going to do that picking in the early 20s. As for Dallas, this does two things for them. Number one, it gets Bertrand off their books. 
Uh, and number two, it gets them back a player they're familiar with. They're going to probably try to recreate that defense and toughness and grit around Luka and Kyrie. So not sure that the Nets can pull this off. I think taking Bertrands off the hands and giving them a, a starting caliber player back that they're familiar with could help the Nets move up into this draft. Third trade. This one is interesting. So with Claxton gone, I, the Nets are going to need a starting center. I don't want the, the, the center coming out of the draft. So I, I looked around to teams that would have incentive to move a starting caliber center without a lot going back in return. And the, the best fit I could find was Clint Capella. So the trade is Joe Harris to the Hawks for Clint Capella. Uh, that adds $1.1 million to the Nets books, which puts them exactly $6 million under that luxury tax threshold. Capella has two years left at $21 million each per season. So why would Atlanta do this for Joe Harris? Well, Atlanta has Okongu and DeJounte Murray, both as free agents in 2024. Both will need new contracts. So this sheds an extra year on the Capella contract. Does give them some short-term shooting with Harris. Maybe a guy they can bring back on a lesser deal. But he can help them now. They'll move Okongu into their starting lineup. And for the Nets, it gives them a, a stopgap starter. I think he'd be the best rebounder we've had since probably KG. Um, improves the overall team toughness and gives them a short-term starting center uh, for at least the next year or so. Final trade. And this is kind of the, the linchpin to the offseason. So I, want a, I wanted a point guard. I wanted a starting point guard for the future. And I think... I pay up here for it. I, you know, I, I give a, a good offer. So the, the fourth trade is Spencer Dinwiddie, the 2024 pick that the Nets just got back from Houston earlier, top eight protected. If that doesn't convey, it would be a top uh, 2025, top five protected pick. Going to the Memphis Grizzlies along with the 2027 Philly top eight pick. In return, the Nets would get Tyus Jones and Xavier Tillman. This deal saves the Nets $4.4 million, puts them $10.4 million under that luxury tax threshold. So why does Memphis do this? Similar thing. Jones probably going to be looking for a bigger role. He's a pending free agent after this season. He's making $14 million this year. He's going to be looking for a pay bump. But Desmond Bain is also a free agent after this year too. So small market team. They've already put money into Ja. They've already put money into Jackson. They're going to have to put money into Bain. Something's going to have to give. So this trade gives them a short-term point guard that can get them through any suspensions Morant has or injuries. And then it gives them two valuable picks moving forward that they can kind of restock their shelves with. Uh, so maybe an overpay for the Nets. But to me, Jones is a young point guard and the kind of guy we've been talking about, right? We want the Nets to get somebody that maybe has more to give than what we've seen. Um, so again, that would put the Nets 10.4 million. And I would sign Jones to a three-year $66 million extension. That's 22 million per year. When you include this season, you would essentially have a good young player on a four-year $80 million contract. Now, with those draft picks, we had 10 and 22. I don't really know much about the draft, so I, I just went on to CBS Sports. I looked at their mock draft. And I picked from who was available at 10 and 22. 
players I drafted were Keontae George and Derek Lively. Why George? Just because from what I read about him, looks like he's a, a big-time scorer, has a lot of scoring potential. When you look at the Nets roster, that's kind of the one of the things missing is that straight bucket getter. So I, I like that there. And then with Lively, it's another center. Put him behind Capella for a year or two before he's ready to take over that starting role. So this would be the Nets roster after the draft, after the trades. And I estimated they'd be roughly about $4.4 million under the threshold after signing the draft picks. You'd have Tyus Jones, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Tariq Eason, Clint Capella, Ben Simmons, Patty Mills, Cam Thomas, Xavier Tillman, Daron Sharp, Bertrand, Keontae George, and Derek Lively. That will leave us with two roster spots where Marks and Cole would have to look for a backup point guard and probably another wing defender. And look, you're going to be bargain shopping for those players. Now, I'm almost done here, but just to kind of give you the big picture thought. After the season, I think, I think this is a team that is going to certainly compete for the playing, possibly better. Uh, but it would be a low playoff seed at best, 7-8 seed, something like that. But you've maintained flexibility. You've gotten younger. And you've gotten value for all the expiring contracts that you have coming up. You still have Ben as the wild card that can kind of push the team to another gear. In 2024 offseason, you have Ben, Bertrand, and Capello all on big expirings. And you still have 2025 Phoenix from protected pick. You have your own pick in 2025. 2027, unprotected Phoenix pick. You have the Houston swap. 2028, you have your own pick, unprotected. 2029, uh, Dallas, Phoenix, and your own pick, unprotected. Jones, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Eason, George, Lively, all young guys on good cost-controlled contracts, all movable. And in the 2025 offseason, these would be the players under contract. Jones, Bridges, Johnson, Eason, Lively, George. That's roughly $87.5 million of what's expected to be a $170 million cap. Even if we dropped it down to $160 million, you have those young players, all that draft capital, and at least $72.5 million of cap space. And I will now shut my mouth and let you guys speak. Ooh. All right, that who wants to lot. kick it off? I, I, I want to go I have first. Some thoughts, but you guys can go. I hope you guys wrote that stuff down. Yeah, I, I have notes here. Okay. Yeah, I got notes too. So I'm going to start off with because, like I said, it was a it was a lot to chew on, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good stuff. And you did your you did your homework. So okay, let me just go to my notes. Uh, so the first one you had was Claxon, um, Royce going to Houston. Yep. Okay, and that was for Eason. Yep. And our um 2024 pick back and the right for the 2025 swap, correct? Yep. All right. And saying that, I think at this point, you know, um that may be a lot because I believe that Clax can get you two picks by itself. Um so then having Royce added to that mix is just like, okay, it's overkill in the sense of 
if you're going to go to them, take take somebody that we might use a little bit better. What's the Turkish kid name? Um, Spinger? Shingon? Yeah. I, I think he would, because if you bring Clax over there, he becomes, nah, uh, you know, he's not going to be used. I think him and Clax both play, I think he plays like the 4-5 or mainly the 5. So I just think, you know, bringing Clax would then take his minutes away. Um, I'm cautious with the Houston part just because I feel a little weird trading with a team for my picks back because it's almost like I gave you everything just to be basic again. That's something that was mine from the beginning. But that's just me. I'll only do that part and let somebody else go to talk about that part and come back when it's the second for the second trade. Eve, you want to hit the second trader? I mean, the first trader. You want me to go? Go. So yeah, I so I agree with with, with everything Cool said. I think that th- that that first trade to me at with with what we're getting back is is not worth it. And I'm a big Eason guy. I think I had Eason higher on my board than almost anyone. And I think he's going to be. I actually think he's going to be really good. But I think for what Clax's value is, both as a player. And because he's on such a great um, contract right now, even if it's only for a year, but like with that said, making eight and a half million dollars with what he brings, I think his value is just higher than that on top of getting Royce, who's coming off the best shooting year of his career. Um, And look, if, if, if Houston is trying to compete, then getting, then getting our 2020, then getting our own 2024 pick back obviously is, is, is great and doesn't have any effect, but also the swap rights at that point don't matter as much. So, or actually, no, that's not true. I guess it would, it would still matter. So I'm, I'm correcting myself there. I think just generally though, they could be, they could probably get more value back and I would probably want a, a bigger name and it doesn't have to be with Houston. I would just, I would need, if I'm giving up clacks, I think I want a centerpiece that I like more, or I want a pick that's this year that I know where it is and 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 it's already relatively high because i like get, getting these future picks to me if they end up being like you know 22 or 18 or whatever then you're basically just throwing away a good player for for god knows what um but i do like the idea of dealing with houston because i think that as we, we've seen there's going to be a lot of teams this summer who are desperate either to get good or to get bad or even desperate to stay mediocre and I think it's in the Nets' best interest to uh, capitalize on those teams. That's all I got. Well, I, I, I don't like trades like this. I, I hate any trade where you have to speculate where that, what, what you're going to get in that pick. And even the players that you're getting, you have to speculate when they're going to be good. When is Eason going to be good? Two years? Three years? Is he gonna? Is he? How good is he gonna be? Is he gonna be all star? On the outside of all star, you basically just you didn't trade a player for for assets. You traded for five years of losing. Like not, nothing in any of this did I hear. Well, you could bring this team to the floor, and it'll. It's it's almost like you want to punish yourself for the sins of the past. You are, are like I'm wondering. Like let's look let's look back in Houston's history. There's always a team that wants to come and save Houston from themselves. 
I remember when Houston wouldn't trade Terrence Jones, Royce White, Jeremy Lamb, uh, 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 who else? Donatus Monte Eunice matched us, then decided they didn't want to match after. Like, these prospects are just that prospects. There's no one that you're looking at and going, wow, that's gonna, we're gonna be this. So basically, all of these moves were calculated moves to eventually try to think about being good in five years. I, I, I can't, I can't operate that way. I, I, I just can't. Like if, if we had our own draft picks and we just sucked and nobody wanted to play for the Nets, then I'll think about drafting and getting more draft picks and, and all like I'm, I'm not there yet. I just don't see why do it when you have players that right now could get you in the playoffs and you're still going to have draft picks. We have 10 draft picks to make over in, in that time period, in that five years that we did all of these undulations to get super young, get, have a bunch of speculative players that we don't know how good they're going to be. And then, and then eventually get all of them five years from now. We In the next five years, we're going to make 10 draft picks, 10 first-round picks if we keep them all, which I don't think we're going to keep them all. But why are we doing this? What is it? How does it make us better? How does it improve our culture? How does it improve our mindset of winning? Once you start losing, it's hard to get that stench off of you. It poisons you from the inside. Players aren't no longer playing – you know, or, or to, to do their best. They're there. They're like, yo, as long as I'm make, getting my numbers and I'm hitting these rewards or whatever, I'm hitting these incentives. Oh, if if I play well enough, I could get a move to another team. Like doing that for five years. I, I can't, I can't agree with that. Okay. So I want to piggyback off what you just said, Eve, because I think there was some good points, but then you, there were some points where it's like right now you don't know what this team is going to be or how good some of these players we're playing are going to be. So, But you can find way, out within the next six months, okay, though. Give me a second. Give me a second. Some of these players have been playing. This is Clack's fifth year, right? So he played one year. We know, we know what he was this year, right? But you don't know how good he's going to be. This could be, this could be his peak. We don't know that. And I'm not speculating on what it could be or what it can't be. I'm just saying, it, you know, at, at this moment, this is his production. This could be the, this is it. If he doesn't shoot free throws any better, this is it. Um, so in saying that, it's kind of a crapshoot either way. So all you, all you can do is say, you know, you want the most NBA ready talent. I get that's, I get that's the point you're trying to make. Um, but also, if you're giving rid, if he's doing those trades, he's also saying we're resetting. So it's not about the playoffs; it's about the future. You're rebuilding now. It's no longer a contender, or you know, we just happy with just being in the playoffs. No, you're rebuilding it from the ground up. That's how I looked at that. Yeah, but you you you're stinking for a long period of time. And you're holding, and you're, and even still, you've got players on. How do you, how do you know you're stinking? How do you know you're stinking? You're not even getting the picks until three years from now. 
Some so, of the stuff, like you're getting the 10. Okay, right? that's that's this year. That's this to year. Go, you're then keeping you're, your 21st and 22nd from this year. So that's three picks. No, no, no the 21 oh. this year is getting traded in the Bertons trade. Okay, okay, so but you still have two picks. Yeah, yeah, you do. This year. You yep. still have two picks. So you're still building for your future with this year's draft, and you moved up to get a real a real asset. But and what are they going to do over the next? What is a nineteen-year-old going to do over the next two years? Well, can we? Oh wait. Well, 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 well. Let's let's pull back a second, and we should have done this uh, once Bam finished. But so Bam basically took. If if you're going to put the Nets offseason in a spectrum, right? Bam basically took the not go star hunting and not totally reset, and he kind of did the kick the can down the road, get a little bit younger and, 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 and free up some cap space, which yep. essentially was like, let's see, let's basically see what we have in a lot of the guys on the team, but let's also get younger. Let's see what bridges brings. Let's see what, um, Cam Cam Johnson brings. Let's see what, let's see what we get at 10. Let's he see he what went we to get the middle. He did 20. the middle. Right. It's, it, it's basically a kick the can down the road. And then maybe a star tries to ask out. We still have all our picks. If we suck, we suck, and we can always make a trade again. And so I think that's the mindset you have to have going going into looking at what Bam did. It's personally, like, I, with some of the moves that Bam made in this, and this is just an overall thing, and I think we should pivot to the second trade. Sorry, it's, sorry about uh, Luca going crazy, guys. I, I, I wanted to finish my point and respond to um, – Okay, yeah, sorry, go. So, again, what – if you get the number 10 – and it's a, let's say, 20-year-old who will start the show, like, not for you guys, because if he's not good by 22, like, you guys are cutting him. You guys are sending him to Stankonia as soon as possible. But uh, by the time he's 23 and you've developed him and you've put all this energy into him, you're now adding new new 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds. And by the time that group comes around, what are you doing with your cap space? Well, are you, you, are you seem like a person who don't like the NBA. Are you? Because that's what everybody does. But but who but who does that? Who does it work? Everybody. For? Everybody. So give me the example that that worked that way, where you just where you just jettisoned Look at Memphis. a bunch Look at of Memphis. 20... Look at Memphis. They got rid of guys who were 34, 35. You, you Zach Randolph. They rode that with Marcus All to the wheelchair so, off. So you really think Ja came in right after Zach Randolph and them left? When they when they saw Ja, they were like, "All right, we've got a new beginning." But it was kids there. Zach Randolph was already gone. Marcus Saul was gone twenty nineteen. When did Ja come in? Years later. No, from twenty nineteen. Yeah, Marcus Saul won the championship with Toronto. Oh, of course we know that, but. My point, cool. You can see a team, and even now, look at what's happening with with um with Memphis. They may be resetting. You're, you're and not saying enough them wrong, Ease. I don't want you to think that. I'm just saying give better context to it, because if you say it as if, oh, you know, Jai, uh Gasol and them left, Zach Randolph and them left, and then I'm, boom, they got Jai. I'm saying, I'm saying, there is no reason. And you're not even going to be able to have that many kids on the team all together at once anyway. You're, you're basically hoping 
that three superstars come on the market and you have no money on the books because you have all children on there. Like that's no so so I, that I, that that theory will always get you right back to where the Nets have been. But but I but I think that's I think that's where this is going because we're talking about cap space. Now you're gonna have no, a cap space. You're, you're talking about cap space for the simple reason now this team as constructed today is really not a playoff team, borderline, maybe a play-in team that's in the luxury cap. And luxury that's team. and that's and I think that's where all of us don't agree. I believe that the team as is right now is a seventh eighth seed. Playing. Right, that's exactly. Playing. That's seventh, exactly eighth, as is right now. That's a playing. What's that all star? Hold on, let me finish. If you go get one more all star, which is well within their means, they now move into the four or five in the in that okay, area now watch where, this. where Cleveland is. Now watch the part that, that you're and, skipping. This is the step you're skipping. When you go to get that superstar, you're now taking some of those players that's helping you to get to the playoffs that is now gone. So now that one superstar is going to replace two to three players. No, you do it. You do a move like the Knicks did. You put the assets in the table that the Knicks did for for Brunson. You do a move like like Atlanta the Knicks, did. The, the Knicks, but the Knicks signed Brunson. There wasn't a trade. I'm just make signing that type of player. Right, but I'm saying Brunson, but that, getting Brunson isn't. Right, but he, but but that doesn't but that doesn't counter what Cool was just saying. What Cool was just saying was that for all the guys that you like on this team, if you want to get some money who's a star, it, it takes some to get some. Yep. You're not just of course, we don't not, have cap space, so we don't have you're not gutting space, yourself. Right? You're not doing a Damian Lillard trade. You're not doing no, a go bear trade. I get, I get what you're saying. So but you're talking how, about but you're talking about getting somebody like I mean I mean DeJounte, you, you I mean you've been mentioning people like DeJounte Murray who just went for three unprotected number ones, which a lot of Nets fans wouldn't even do for 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 uh for for Lillard, who's a much better and more impactful player than than Murray is. So like I mean not, it, like, not going it, forward. Now if you told me we forward. can get Murray for two picks, I do the Murray for two picks because sure. you can you can get rid of Murray. And um, DFS, if that's what it took, the money matches, right? And then you sign them long term. Cool, I get that point. Yeah, but they're not right. right. They're not doing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to never argue that. I I think Murray would be worth that. My issue is when we saying yo, we're going to get like this star quality person, but the part we leave out is if you're trading for him. You got to give some pieces up that the other team actually wants, and of the course. pieces that they're gonna want, of course. But pieces you got guys that... like Royce who are good, who who teams want. You know, people want Royce. Why would a team you know that's giving up a star? DFS. Why would a team? Why would teams that are they're not gonna want that? They're gonna want the guys like I'm not saying it, like or Cam Sam. Are, you think I'm saying Royce O'Neal by himself gets Dejounte? No, but you're saying Royce and I'm picks. But Royce why is a team picks. that's trading? But it doesn't make Royce sense. Plus why would picks it... plus a shooter? But you why would a team that's treating a star want want a, a veteran? Those are teams that are restarting. They're going to want Claxton These, and Young. They're not restarting. They're not. They're as long as they have Trey, they're not restarting. They don't think they're restarting. Well, maybe that. Well, they're if they're trading Murray, then I think your, that Trey is your, pretty close let's to not, being out. Let's, let's not give away my GM. My GM. Um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break my rule and step in here, real quick. No, Bam. No, no. I I have to because this is not go. This is going to the in the direction. Yeah, this isn't what I'm supposed to go. 
yeah. stick stick with the moves and yeah, the that overall are actually picture on the table. That's what and I was the idea of it as as opposed to yeah. You know, yeah, proposing other trades. You'll have your episode for that. No, yeah, Van, did I answer yours right when I did it? So far, yes, but now we're going okay. off the rails. So yeah, that's get back said, to get back to, to the let's... moves, discuss them, and then you know yeah. we, we'll all have our episode to you know, yeah. That, all right, that's why I said let's earlier let's go to DFS. The trade that I thought was most interesting was DFS in twenty one for ten in Bertans, uh, which I'll, I'll just I'll just start out because there's one that I thought was interesting and one that we I texted about. I think. So I like that move, and this isn't to like also bring in another move. I think I think that move in a vacuum is really interesting, and I could be I could be down with it. I, I think part of it also depends on what DFS's value is at this point. If it's still if it's still as high as it was, then maybe DFS in twenty one could get you more because Bertans is a negative, and so maybe he gets you ten in something else that's not Bertans himself, but. I think it's I think it's interesting, but to be honest, if they're doing DFS in twenty one for ten and something else, then I would j- just generally I would rather take the reset, the total reset move because I'd I'd rather have like picks three and ten and like really start making like a big 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 time uh, rebuild. But overall, I thought it was a I thought it was an it was an interesting trade. Cool. What do you think? Um. Yeah. And 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 sticking to what he said, I mean. That's why I was asking, like, you know, Bertrand's contract makes me desire more from them because he has a bad contract. You know, um, but the concept of getting 10 and I think DFS is going to get us two picks. That's me personally. I think he's a two-pick person because it's it's cost-control salary for like three years. And with the new rules and the way every way everything is going, it'll allow for you to ask for more for him. Um, the other one, so let's go into the next one. It was one that I really thought was the Joe for Capella. I would do that trade. Even though it's one more year left, that is an excellent trade for this, for this iteration of the Nets. If we could just do that trade, and I don't know how many, you know, of the other ones, but just saying, damn, that was a good one. Money match, and it's a need. That changes, that changes us dramatically. Add in the center of that caliber. That, that's it. I, 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 that's, that, that's all I had to really say. <laughs> I just think that's a great trade. Of, of, of that caliber. You talking about Davis Bertans? No, Capella. If we had Capella here for two years, because that's what his contract is, we're, 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 we're tougher in the paint, which means he can guard his position. Right, he rebounds. You can then have a younger center that he can later, that he can you know school. But you're you're, you're going to get better. He can switch and do drop. So you're not losing. You're not losing the the thing that Clax does the best is switching. You can 
you couldn't play them together because neither one of them could shoot, but I wouldn't be mad with Capella here. Yeah, I would do that trade. The Joe for Capella to me is a no-brainer. Yeah, you're getting rid of an asset we really don't want that can't help us, and you're bringing in somebody in a position that we definitely need, and he's serviceable. And Capella, I think Capella and Harris are both 29, or they're basically the same age. And Capella at least plays like younger, whereas Joe Harris looked like he was 49 last year. Yeah, them ankles is cooked. If I have to watch Davis Bertans and Clint Capella be the front court of my team for even two years, I'll probably just be roaming around mentally damaged with no pants on at four o'clock. No, but the Bertons, the Bertons being part of that trade. I mean, Bertons would basically go into a reserve role, just like what he's in in Dallas. I mean, the point of that trade is that you're moving up from 21 to 10. The point is that you're able to get Taylor Hendricks or Kaysen Wallace or someone like really great in the draft. Cause I think a lot, I think the draft takes a dip probably after like 10, 11, 12, and then it's a new like kind of range of talent. So well, that, that's the point. Well, I like, so for me, like how you saying about the draft, right? I look at the draft as um, you got the top three, right? The franchise altering players. I don't think a man and his brother are like these oh, saviors God. that people think they are. If you come in and you can't shoot already, and you're 20, and you just can't shoot, and you went to a spot where, guess what? When you watch these kids and everybody <coughs> overseas, they can shoot already at 20. Like, you're telling me that you're working out all well, year. Scoot, that, well, I mean, Scoot shot terribly this year, but that's another but, point. But but Scoot is a mid-range shooter. He's not a um, – really No, but a, he, shot, he shot terribly from two also. Okay. But but, but, 19, he, I, but but I think that's a separate point. I, I agree with you that I, I think Scoot's going to be a star. So yeah, like I think that once you get those top three, then four oh. through like fifteen is pretty much all the same. And then you, and then you start getting a okay, might make an all star, you know, good good rotational player. So like I said, this is a deep draft. Um. I don't. I don't even think like with Bertans, they would keep him. It might. might then in that deal, they might do a three-way, and, and you know. But there's a lot of flexibility, and that's all you want. I mean, right now, today, I'm more excited about the Nets for the fact of, uh, not even so much Markel. I want to see what they do, like. That's my excitement to but what see you, how how it's built. But I guess to, so. So to to, the sta- to stay on the point of of the trade that Bam made, wouldn't you? But if I told you that you were leaving the draft with ten and twenty two, and let's just say for the purposes of like being somewhat optimistic, the net the Nets led. Oh no, I'm happy about that. I'm yeah, happy. like if, if the Nets leave the draft. With Taylor Hendricks and Jalen Hood Shafino, even if that meant oh, that's they, a great draft. And that's even if that meant draft. that they they took on the Bertons money and got rid of DFS, I think we're all really happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no, that's what I said from the beginning. I I agreed with that 
and and I just I veered off a little bit, which is my fault. I apologize. No, no, all good. I just want to make sure that we're all. No, no, I agree. Yeah. That would like I would do that in a heartbeat. So, yeah, you know how we talk about the draft and these players. So I want to say this: it's on topic, but we got to look at the draft as this year's draft is um power forward and shooting guard heavy, like wings. It's not it's not really like point guard heavy or center center heavy. So you can be picking at ten allows you to get your 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 probably your number one choice of power forward, point guard or point guard center. Because maybe at ten, besides Scoop, you you probably could still get Carson Wallace, um Hood Safino would still be available. You know, so you have the pick. Yep. So you always want that option. Wait, Eve, would you do would you do both of those trades that me and Cool just talked about, or would you do neither of them? I mean, yeah, I guess I would. Um to get ten. Um Bam, you know, how many years does Burton have left? Two. That's the one okay. Yeah, no, nah, I, I I guess you would have to. Um, I'm not excited about it. <laughs> it, it uh, again, I I I just don't see what the Russian like and this concept that that um we should just flush the team down the toilet and just you know what I mean capitulate. I just don't see it. We don't we don't have enough data like. When we say 13 and 15, we're talking about a team of strangers. I don't know how good they are, how good they could be. I haven't seen them play for more than a month. Like, I, I just don't understand why what the rush is to be bad. Like, are we trying to punish ourselves or something? I don't get it. Like, I, I just, I, I, we haven't had a player like DFS. I don't, I don't remember the last time we had a player like that. Crash. Yeah, yeah, Joe Wallace, but he could make a layup, and he could shoot threes. Who, Joe Wallace? No, I'm talking about DFS. Joe Wallace dunked on people. Yeah, but when he stopped being able to dunk on people, he couldn't make a fucking layup. You forgot in Chicago playoffs? He still hustled. He hustles. I'm, I'm not, DFS can still dunk on people. That's all I'm saying. That's the well, difference. He's younger than um, Joe Wallace was. Well, we've seen about three dunks this season from him when we got him, so I ain't gonna, I'm not going to take that away from Gerald. It's the one that's, thing he did. That's fair, and, we, and we're going away from, from this. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> there's no doubt. Like that, for that particular thing, there's no doubt. That, that's a trade you do, if just, just doing the math. I don't love the trade because of the reasons that I've said too many times, but, but um, you, you do that trade if, it, if it's, if it's uh, possible to get number 10. In this particular draft, typical drafts, no. Now, if you get it wrong, if you get number 10 wrong, then you've suggested yourself to losing for no reason, but it, it is what it is. So what do you so, – so I just want to add this on to, to – it still goes with what we're talking about. How, what would be getting 10 wrong? What are you – like, and when I say that, meaning for the number 10 pick, what are you expecting from the number 10 pick? I, a rotation player who in 
three years is a fringe all-star. Okay. I can respect that. Because if you if he's if it's not that, if you don't get that, then you're gonna be looking, you're gonna be going back into the draft to look for uh that guy. Okay, so when I look at number tens, I look at pretty much I kind of look at the whole lotto the same. Any any hit, because no matter how high you get you pick, you're just bettering your odds from the talent pool, right? And so I look at that and say, you could miss on any one of them. You know, um, but 10, you got to take 10. You got to, because people are so annoyed with um, with Marks and how he's been picking this and these high picks. What should he be able to do with the um, lottery? 10? Yeah. You know, so. That doesn't excite me. <laughs> I know you want the ready-made, you want the ready-made process product. And guess what? We're not there right now with what we got. So I'm not I'm not even saying go out and get some ready-made. I'm saying you got ready-made guys. Unless you get unless you get something really good, I don't think I don't think you throw those guys away easy. Okay. That's just me. He had one more trade, right? It was four trades. Yeah. So, I, what, Bam, can you re-say the fourth trade? I, I don't think my notes are right. Sure. So the fourth trade was... Uh, Spencer. It was, it was Spencer. Dinwiddie. And the pick we got back from Houston next year in 2024. Yeah. Top eight protected. Yep. All right. If it didn't convey, it would be the 2025 pick that we now have with no protections. Top five protected along with the 2027 Philly Top 8 protected too much. for Xavier Tillman and Tyus Jones. That's too much. I would do it. Nah, and let me t- <laughs> Ooh, I like it when we get spicy. I'm, I'm in. And I'm, I'm in. I also like uh, X-Man a lot, so I'm, I'm in. No, I like him. I like him, but what I'm saying is, so we're giving up the 2024 pick, right? Yeah. Only Top 8 protected, right? Um... I'm not willing to give that up when I think we might be giving them just giving them a pick. You need I need lottery protection on that. Um, like you know, we 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 we've been so quick to give up the farm and never have real protection. Cool. All right, well, all right, well, quick interjection. Would you do it if it was lottery protected? I still. My issue is it's two two picks. Yep. And. I think so. We're giving two picks up for 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 um, Jones, and I love Jones. I I believe that Jones and Spencer is a straight up deal. And if you had to give them a pick, I would give the pick just because I believe Jones is a better floor general. Yep, which is what we need. But to give up two picks for that one player that you can get it straight up, nah, it don't make sense. And Tillman, you don't have to give up a first round for. He's a second round pick. At, at worst, you could give up a second. So just to interject, the reason I put Tillman in the trade was to make it work on the trade machine. Okay. Thank you for the content. You're welcome. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, a first round pick for him? Nah, that's 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 absurd. But if you can get him for for, for a second, <laughs> you do it. 
Like, and that's just that's just bringing in some extra toughness. Like, I get that because he's serviceable. What is like 23, 24? <coughs> <coughs> Who, X Man? Yeah, he's the guys. He's uh, he's 24. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. So he fits every timeline. Yeah, I like me, You know, for me, the one thing that the Nets haven't had in a long time, and I mean like a healthy blend, is youth and athleticism. Like, we're losing a lot of games just because we don't got the legs. We ain't got the athletes to keep up. Our guys, our guys can't clap and dudes are dunking. That, that that's a major issue. Dudes layups get blocked because they can't they can't go above the rim. I think all of these trades are uh, have have a brilliance to them, but they also at the same time are saying that basically this thing that's not on our team right now, if it was to come on our team, would be better than what we have. I I look at I look at recent success in terms of how far they go in the playoffs how many minutes they play in the playoffs. And, and I weigh some of these assets back, like even, even Tyus Jones, who I love, and I think if he was given the the, the starting role, he, he'd have uh, much better results. At the same time, at the same time, if we're just going by the results, Dinwiddie has had better results than him. Din, Dinwiddie's gone to uh, Western Conference Finals. And he played a major role. He wasn't coming off the bench. He was he was playing a, a long. Then Woody wasn't. Then Woody wasn't the starting point guard neither. I, well, he's. It, it was so. It was so Luka, if you so right? if you going by the stats, right? Because now I'm gonna hit you with one of your your things. I know you're a big stat guy. So being that you're a big stat guy, Tyrus Jones is the best backup in the NBA, right? No doubt. He's he's also the best assist to turnover ratio person in the NBA. So if you add that to the Nets, who one issue is turning the ball over and getting them in sets and getting the guys together, you automatically become a better team. Um, I'm not taking nothing away from Spencer, but Spencer has had it easy where go cook. Went good, bad, good, bad, and different, go cook. And when he went to those other teams, the ball was taken out of his hands to a certain degree. We gave him, we gave him the ball in his hands this year when he came back. You, you, you see how it looked. Yeah, no, he's I think I think he's exactly what you said. Someone you give the ball to and say, go cook. I think he's a type of player in, on the team. I, I'm just yeah. saying, if I'm going out for risk, if I'm gonna, if I'm going to take all this punishment, and in the second year of being bad, on purpose, I, I and all I'm getting is I a little bit better than Dinwiddie. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's being bad. And when I look at when I look at Jones, I look at him and say, he's he's years younger than Spencer, right? Not that many, not that many years younger, like at least two, two, two or three, yeah. And um, it it adds on to your future with with the Mikel 
and, and Cam Johnson, right? He fits that time frame with them. You actually, if you if you do that deal, you do it with I'm giving you a three year extension, or the deal don't go through. You tie him up right with them, the three or four year, and you, and you get that out the way early. So there's no discrepancy. You know what your budget is for your players. To, to, to me, the reason why you have to do deals like this is I think like everyone is kind of become obsessed in like the Twitter world with like, like winning the trade and like, and, and, and getting out on top and, you know, Rudy Gobert type, uh, uh, type rip off, which like for the most part, like doesn't happen. And I think that a guy like Tyus Jones is a guy that you'd rather be a second early on trading, even if, even if it required taking too much than a second late. And, and Tyus to me, like maybe he's not going to, maybe he doesn't have a Brunson leap in him, but I think he's really fucking good. And I think he's also someone that if you get on the team with a guy like Bridges and Cam Johnson, you have a nucleus where like a, a star would be like, Oh, that's a place I want to come to. And all those guys are on, are on like good contracts. So getting like the money and all that stuff together is good. So like n- none of this stuff is going to be, is going to be perfect which is why I would be like really, really, really interested in getting, in getting Tyus like in the building. He's a culture setter. He's been in, he's been in Memphis. He wanted Duke. Like, I, I don't know. I just think it's, I, I agree. I think on paper it is a lot. I, I, I agree that giving up two picks plus Spencer for Tyus and, and Tillman is, is a lot, but I, it, it's something I'd probably bite the bullet on because I just think he's, I think he's that type of player. Sam, let me let me tell you, let me put you on to some like um, black culture or black community things that you may not know about, but it's one hundred percent true. And and cool, you tell me if I'm lying. Cool, I'm here. In every black neighborhood, there's one guy that does karate. That's a fact. Like he teaches it. You go on, like in my hood, <laughs> it was a dude named Baron, and Baron. Taught the whole hood karate. He, he was my karate instructor in Best Eye. That's everybody knew Baron would kick the shit out of you. But one day, Baron backflipped from Patchen all the way down McDonough, damn near to, to, to Ralph, to the Ralph side of, of, of our um, block. Backflipped all the way there. And by the time he got there, got got to where he was backflipping to the action to fight, to like he did all that. All of us was impressed. And when he got to the end, the dude that he was fighting punched him right in his face and knocked him out one time. I I think what we're doing is doing what Baron did—a whole bunch of backflips to end up in the same place. Why did we have to do all that trading, all that skullduggery? To to get to be basically the same team, just two years down the road. How do well, we get I, better? I think if you have that influx of young guys, you're getting better. Like so, right now DFS is who he is. He's not. He's not going to get any better. Spencer is who he is. He's not getting any better. Same with I, Royce. Royce, thank you. I believe that. You know, um. I'm not going to say that Clax is fully there, but I don't know how much more he's going to get better because when I look at him, I look at he's been in the league all this time. 
he hasn't improved his free throw shooting. That that's on him. That's the one thing he could have done this whole time of not playing is shoot free throws. I'm, he literally got better in every statistical category every single he, he, year. He, even even the even the year that he was. Listen, 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 get to, to mono. Listen to what I'm saying. Got better. So when you come into the league, right? You you you're given a three year grace period, right? To to do all this development. That's why you hear the teams pick up the options. Now, normally, in your third year, teams can see either you have the potential, or they get the you know they'll they'll even wait to the fourth year. But most part, three years, that's who you are. You're either going to get better or not. Um, for me, when I look at Clax, the one thing we need him to do is to be able to hit free throws. So in year five, which is year four, fam, you couldn't hit free throws. At a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a decent rate. That means you're probably not going to be a good free throw shooter. It's not all of a sudden going to take year seven, oh, you're a 90% free throw shooter. No. So to me, I'm not saying that he ha- he's got the chance to play this year. So that, that leap to me is just playing because he didn't get to play all those other times. Now he got to play. And so he, he performed. I'm not taking nothing away from him and acting like I wasn't excited for him because I was. But I'm also not going to fool myself and act like I think he's going to be an all-star. No. So I'm taking it as what we see might be what we get in. If I think I can upgrade on that, I got to do it. I just think, look, if you look at – where the team would be. And when Bam listed the roster at the end, it obviously sounded worse because a lot of what we were getting back was we we got back a better pick this year. And I think if the Nets brought out a starting lineup this year of Tyus Jones, Bridges, Cam Johnson, uh, I'm I'm now like forgetting a little bit. I'm 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 trying to make sense of who's on of, of who's still on the team right now at at uh I'll read it to you. Yeah. So at the end, I had Tyus Jones, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Eason, Capella, Simmons, right, Patty, Cam Thomas, Tillman, Sharp, Bertrands, and the two players I drafted were Keontae George and Derek Lively. Right, because you said because you said Curry was gone. Curry, uh, I would not resign Curry. Correct. Okay, right. So okay, so my point is that to me, a, a team that has like Tyus Bridges. Cam Simmons Capella plus Eason plus like l- let's let's say they draft two guys that I like more than what Bam said like like let's say they get you know Hendricks and Hood Shafino or like Kobe Buffkin as a point guard uh with like a bigger point guard with Tyus Jones and also get like Noah Clowney as someone who could be the new Claxton on top of on top of like the guys that they already have on the bench plus filling out two of the roster spots as Bam said I don't know. I mean, I think to, to, me, to me, the team is in a similar spot, but it's younger and has more cap flexibility. Is it the exact angle that I, this is probably more of like a closing type statement? Is it the exact argument? That, uh, or sorry, is it, are they the exact moves that I would make? Like, no, not necessarily. But I do think that this team is probably not as definitely like better regular season wise because they might not have as many vets that know how to just win a game. But I definitely think the team is younger. 
I think it's more fun. I think there's more upside. I think there's more guys on the team with trade value, more guys on the team with good contracts. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I would be more excited if they had this possibility than what, than, than, than what, than them running it completely back the same way. I'll say that. I, I'm, Again, for me, it we have ten draft picks in the future. We have guys who we could trade right now and get a draft pick, like one for one. You could trade Royce and get a first round pick. You could trade DFS and get a first round pick. Dinwiddie, I'm not sure. Maybe you can trade Dinwiddie at the deadline. Exactly. You, if if we're not winning, we trade Dinwiddie at the deadline. And you can get a first round pick. I <clears throat> I just don't understand why we have to contort the team. That that's my I don't think they're I'm not I don't think they're necessarily bad trade because if we luck up and we hit on one of these draft picks, you know, maybe they're Scotty Barnes, you know, good have a good rookie year, have a shitty sophomore year, and trying to figure it out and get lost, even though you know he's a talent. You just gotta go through the pain of waiting for him to figure it out if your team is built around him. I, I don't understand the rush. I I I think I think we got plenty of draft picks and I think we could find out what the value of all of these dudes are really if they like for them playing in normalcy cuz the other thing about Claxton was he's playing behind DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. That on top of being playing behind those guys, not saying that that would have made his free throw shooting any much be- any any much that better. Um um, I think that's a fair point as well, but trading that level of a talent haphazardly, I, I, I just I, don't see. I just I don't think see you overvalue. I think you overvaluing him. Um, I get that he's homegrown, but his best asset is switching. Well, it's it depends the, on what you wait, want. By the way, Nick Nurse, as my source told me, just became the Sixers coach. Whoa! Yeah, he got got, the, I'd like he a got closing argument if I can, yes. guys. When yes, the time man. comes. But wait, let me finish. I just, yeah, I, no, just okay. I thought, and, I thought people would want to hear. You guys that. finish, and then I'd like a closing argument. Yeah, it, uh, I, I've been with, I've watched the Nets every single game, every single minute. When Donald Sloan and um, the freaking second baseman's kid. Forget his name, a Lark Shane Larkin. That <laughs> well, I've I've been through seasons with that backcourt, and I'm not saying that that's what this is, or even close. At least you have some talented player that hypothetically, supposedly, is going to be good that you could root for. You know me, I love players like that shit. I rooted for Karis LeVert. I once upon a time argued with with um, Bam for uh, at least. 30 threads in one off season that Karis LeVert was better than, than um, Ben Simmons. I, I, I'm, I will go for anything uh, that this team puts out basically, but I, I just would like to see the team under normalcy for once, for once out of like the past four years, the team has changed every six months. Every trade deadline, we've at, we've moved at least three starters, and I just for one time want to take a deep breath and so figure you would out be who fool. these people are. Eve, you would be a fool to think that they just did that trade 
at the trade deadline and they're going to stick with the same team, which would make your normalcy complete, they have to tweak it. And in tweaking it, you're going to lose one or two of those guys. I, and that's I, okay. And that's they were going to okay lose because, one or two no matter what. Yeah, but that but, then becomes normalcy. So you have to wait until they tweak they, this, this, this offseason. This, this is more than that, though. This is no, it's not. That, it, it's not. If and, you keep so, if they keep, if they keep the core to core, and they move one or two people to make it a balanced roster to give you a chance to compete, it doesn't matter if they move one starter, because the other four starters would still be there. Even the starters that started the second half of the season, a healthy Ben is sitting DFS down. She's not starting. He becomes a bench player. That's just a fact. So in normalcy, you're not going to get it in the way that you that you're looking for until they tweak this roster. Then you can ask for that, and you'll be a hundred percent right to do that. But they have to keep some form of a core. I I, th- I think we I think we're not agreeing or seeing eye to eye on what a tweak is. Like I'm saying, tweak the tweak it, but don't tweak, but don't twerk. Nah, you know what I'm saying? Nah, they gonna twerk. Tweak, but don't twerk. They've been twerked like Sean Mark's not tired of twerking. He's 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 doing this for his job, man. He's not tired of twerking. God, let let Matt go. Matt, tell me why I'm wrong. So it's funny because I I wrote down I wrote down what I thought each of your uh, responses Respond- would be, <laughs> and it, they were all pretty close. Number one, I wrote Clay's gonna say I gave up too much, which in most trades. You, you thought I overpaid a little bit. I said Sam is going to neutral overall, which, which she was. <laughs> and I said East is going to absolutely hate it. <laughs> so, you know what? That's why. Yeah, of course. So I guess my 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 biggest, and mostly because Eve's you know sees things totally different, is I don't see like so like. Do you care that Joe Harris is not on the team anymore? No. Just yes or no. No. Okay. Right. So you don't care about that, like are you like Spencer? Are you going to re-sign Spencer Dinwiddie after this year? It, it depends on the money. Yeah, he's not a right. he's not. But a would you would you rather him or, or Ty, Would you rather him or Tyus Jones moving forward? I would. I, that's not even close, Tyus Jones. Okay, so and you keep saying like you're going to stink, right? Like I I think the roster I put together is better. I, I think you upgraded at point guard. I think the center is better. Yep. Maybe he doesn't have the upside, but like, and, and that's probably a you know a trade that the Nets would probably would have to give up something more in. I think Capella would have more value than that. And and most of the trades I did, I I purposely overpaid on the Nets side because it would be easy to do this exercise and, and rip everyone off. Yeah. So I tried to say, all right, I'm maybe I'm giving up a little too much, but the idea of it was to. This I think the trade I gave the Nets a better chance for normalcy moving forward because I would have Jones under a long-term contract. I'd have Bridges under a long-time contract. I'd have Cam Johnson under the, on a long-term contract. Two rookies on long-term cost-control contracts. Even Capella, two years under contract. Ben has two years left. Uh, Bertrand sucks. So, yeah, but he's two years. He's an expiring after one more year. So the deal that you want to make where it's like, well, we can get that one guy. I could still do that, but I have a younger core here around it. Like, what is Royce O'Neal doing for the Nets beyond this year? Do you care that Royce O'Neal's not on the team anymore? 
I, I would say like no, Claxton. In every in everything that I've done, he gets traded. So right. So so it's really your beef is is really Claxton and DFS. And, yeah. and I can understand the Claxton side, but like if we can't draft and develop a DFS, you know, then the organization wrong. Has, bigger, has bigger <laughs> problems, right? Like, yeah, I, 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 but I think that's what you use. That's what you use. Um, you know, David Duke Jr.'s slot for. That's what you well, use. like to me. Like, like I said, what I did is Easton to me is the the you you. It's the same body frame. You're trying to develop into a, him into a younger. Cost controlled. So you could so, look. Nobody's going to ever agree on all these things. And exercises to just say, look, this would be the direction I would go in. And I'm I, not going to lie; could, it's not bad. It's, it's it's not like I'm not. And I kept and I kept Ben as the wild card. If Ben comes back, I look. If Ben comes back, it's equal on both sides. But I also think like Jones would be a way better fit with a, a Ben playing at his best as an off-ball, catch-and-shoot type of player than Spencer is, and he's somebody that can grow with the franchise moving forward. So I, I, I thought I tried to get a combination of guys that can continue to help like them win now in Jones and Capella, also get like a blue-chip young player in the 10th pick and whoever that may be. Oh, this is – Bam, this is what I wanted to say in, 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 your, in your thing that I forgot. You just made me think about it. So if we get back our 2024 first round pick, mm-hmm. you don't have to be good anymore. Right. And so and that's kind of like almost debunks a lot of what <laughs> Eves was saying is I traded that pick. So like even though I got more picks in one of the trade, I traded two first round picks out of here. So to me, it wasn't just like, oh, I was just trying to mass all these draft picks. Of the draft picks oh. I got back, I traded one of them and I traded another that I already had in tow. And so that's really, why we added one I, extra I, draft pick that they had. I just think you cash in. If you're going to cash in Claxton, you got to get more than that. Look, yeah. that's, like, that's totally fair. Uh, but, like, again, I, I tried to not, like, rip any – it's easier to rip myself off than someone else. Yeah. And be like, no, well, no, I got you, this. You know, I, you I know, appreciate I that you did that. Yeah, yeah, you did want, realistic. You did realistic, man. Right. I didn't want to dist- – I could easily, you know, trick the computer in NBA 2K. Yeah. So I want – I want to say this in, in defense of this. This was a great idea by Bam. Uh, look, 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 how idea. look how look how it has us. I want to say this part though. In in a DFS trade and in, in a Nick Claxton trade, I'm hitting an open market with that. I'm li- I'm not I'm not focusing on one team. Meaning not not for what you did. Meaning like if that was to 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 actually happen, which I which I do believe it will. Because you can't, and I said this with Kyrie to y'all before the season started, you either going to pay him now or by the trade deadline. If you're not going to give him the extension, you got to trade him. Claxton is in that same boat now. I don't know. I don't think he can negotiate a contract this year. So it's kind of do you, you, you have to wait, right? Or you do it at the draft, my own. And that's when I went back and I said to y'all, they should have gave him the four years with the last two as team options. He would have took it because that would have been $40 million. He's not turning that down, and, I, and he, he was hurt for three years. Let's not forget that part. He was yeah, injured was every day, you know. But, we, but this is not to say a mistake. I'm just saying, like, if they would have gave it to him now, imagine having Claxon for three more years at $10 million. What could you actually get for him? You probably get four first-rounders. 
Yeah. yeah. My, my final statement would be what I accomplished in this offseason was I got a point guard under contract for the next four seasons, including this season, that we don't currently have. I got us a blue chip prospect or, or maybe even a red chip prospect that we don't currently have. I lost one draft pick net in the total equation. And I think I've set the team up where if a Giannis or a Luca or somebody like that came available, the Nets would have the combination of cap flexibility, draft flexibility, and players that are good that they can move and still have a team left over when it was all said and done. So I look forward to whoever goes next. Um, and I appreciate I'm going to write my list. I'm going to do my list and to go next. Yeah, all right. So we'll, do, we'll do Clay next. And we'll see. Um, look, none of these moves will probably happen. It's just a blueprint of an idea. And we'll see what the it, Nets do. It actually, it actually was really good. Like I, I cannot front. Like it, it's well conceived. And, and and my only, my only, um, you know, thing would be like, if if at the end of all of this, we draft a guy that's that's first in field goal percentage, second in blocks, and then we then we did the job like it's it's successful it's my my problem with it is we already have that guy why not yeah, try so to get I think him the better biggest, him the better. biggest crutch is what you know if i thought as highly as claxton as you did i would have made right. that deal you know, right that, exactly that be the exactly. uh where the rubber and his, and, I, and i can't front his value is sky high right now like the league likes him you know so you should take advantage of his value cuz he could come back and he could suck. And if he sucks, then you've blown that asset. Like you could have cashed him in now for this is the most valuable that he'll ever be. I'm gonna guess. My guess is that he's gonna become more valuable. We'll see how that goes. But that's that's my thing. That's the thing is I think he gets better from him. Well, um, only a, only other thing I wanted to add because I just thought it went a little under the radar in one of the trades. Like what Tari Eason did as a freshman, or sorry, freshman as a rookie on a Rockets team that was an absolute disaster this year with no point guard or anything. He basically put up numbers that Dorian Finney-Smith couldn't put up until he was basically like a fourth-year guy at 26. So, he, like, And that's our pick. And Eason is our pick. Yeah, yeah, right, true. It was, one of, it was our original pick. So I do think that that's kind of and, – and we should have another podcast on this. I, I've been talking with Yossi about doing a whole podcast about the new CBA and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But, you know but, I know that. You know that's the one thing I know, that CBA. But, <laughs> but the, it is really helpful to capitalize on young guys who were undervalued or just guys who took less money early on, like the Claxtons of the world and Finney Smiths or whatever, to um, – to build your team around or to trade and get, and really make sure you get, you get the most juice out of the fruit out of that. Because uh, yeah, I mean, basically for, for Claxton, I saved, and we may not like this, but the team is going to look to cut costs in that trade. They save 15 and a half million dollars this year. And if you include Eason, they get three first round picks back. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think that, I don't think Houston would do that. So that was one of the less popular deals. I, I thought that one would, would have been like from a, a a front office perspective and what the Nets' goals would be is a pretty good deal. I think Eason would have a strong start to start a power forward for the, that team. Yeah, I think he's going to be a. I think he's going to be a really good uh, NBA player. Yeah, Happy and, Memorial uh, Day, guys. We'll, yeah. Uh, All right, boys. Clay, you cool. got a couple of days to put yours together. And you're next. Cool. Aid's up man. next.
<laughs> Later, guys. How's it going?